from the twisted realm of science and the darkest pits of reason comes chilling tales of godlessness. Bear witness to the unfathomable terror that is The Good Atheist. Welcome everybody to the goodatheist.net bonus podcast. As you may notice, you might be wondering to yourself, why am I listening to two podcasts this week rather than just one? And the reason is because I decided today that I was going to release this bonus podcast for everybody else as a reminder of why it is awesome to listen to this show twice a week. Consider it my way of enticing you to become members because I'm a broke ass. Today, I have a very special guest. His name is Brock Roberts. He's a native Calgarian. He's been listening to the show for how long now exactly? Like. Since episode 20-ish, something like that? Probably way too long. He's probably heard everything I've said 10,000 times, but I thought it'd be good to have him over. Say say hi to everybody. Hello, how are you? (laughs) All right, now before we start, I'd like to hear a little bit more about you so that kind of fans can get an idea of who the hell you are. So my first question is, what got you interested in atheism? Why are you a fan of TGA? Um... Well, I've always been an atheist. Uh, I grew up in a small central Alberta village, uh, right between two churches. And um, <laughs> You were born right between two churches? That's amazing. Yeah, United and Anglican. Um, every Sunday, I'd sit at my breakfast table and just watch kids I know from school just file through these doors and wearing uncomfortable clothes. And I wondered why they were being forced to attend this odd ritual, and I could go about my business playing with Lego and watching cartoons and stuff like that. So I approached my mother, and, you know, she's a teacher, and she has a master's degree, and very scientifically... um, Literate? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) exactly. So she basically... um, I was never raised in a religious household, so I've never had that coming out or anything like that so it's just been smooth sailing but how how is it here's the thing i mean you live in probably one of the most religious provinces in this country you you must have had some kind of pressure to believe in shit like that i have to i have to think that there were people trying to convert you all the time no or did people leave you alone yeah um surprisingly it was it was my mormon friends that tried the hardest to convert me and they would even you know tell stories of oh hellfire and you know where the, the well they didn't say infidels because they were kids but you know what i'm getting at yeah the non-believers non-believers yeah. get a bird in hell bitch so yeah. they get they give you that speech the nice little oh you're gonna burn quite a bit and these were your friends uh yeah and how can you be fr- okay i don't want to say how can you be friends with something that's religious but how did you feel about them telling you oh you're gonna burn in hell by the way but we're such great friends oh i didn't appreciate it and uh, neither did my parents actually there was some confrontation between their parents and my parents wow they had the whole please don't try to convert my child uh conversation i don't think they said please <laughs> i like your parents already yeah they're pretty cool scientisty what what kind of teacher is your, is your mom what did you, what uh, she teach she's a grade one teacher early literacy um coordinator for the whole jurisdiction Okay, so I mean, it's not like her job is, is necessarily makes her godless, but no. what is she doing in Alberta? I mean, why live here if you're if you if you don't believe in religion? Why would you live in a small buttfuck nowhere town in Alberta of all places? I don't know. Why does anybody end up anywhere? I guess but. that's actually a pretty good question. I don't even know. I was born in Quebec. I never really got went 
very far. Actually, it's funny because this trip to Calgary, this is literally the furthest that I've traveled in my life. Can you believe that? 30 years old, I'm going to be in like, what, two days? And I can't even go further than uh, Calgary. It's sad. I am the least traveled man in the world. I don't know. There's a lot of people around here that have been to like BC, Saskatchewan, and maybe like well let's get to see the mountains man it is fucking boring where i'm from now you are you're you're a student of law is that correct um well law and society I'll law and society law school soon what's what does law and society exactly mean what is this combination here it, well it's exactly what it sounds like it's the way our law functions in our society and it's it's a more broad look it's not so much case law and you know rigorous Things like that. It's more of a. I, I don't want to call it a survey, but it's it's the broad spectrum. Now, are you, are you trying to get people to hate you? Atheist in Alberta, lawyer. Come on now, dude. You're gonna you're gonna get stoned to death in this fucking province. I'm not that worried about it. The second I'm done my undergrad, I'm heading out west. You're heading. You're oh, you're headed to Vancouver. You're headed to Hippie Central, man. Yeah, that's exactly it. Fucking hippie. I gotta head west. <laughs> I can't take another winter. Plus, I don't even think you're 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 a conservative around here. You sound almost like a communist. I am actually a bit of a communist. You, you heard this first here, folks. If ever you get if ever he gets in trouble, it's because on on the good atheist he admitted that he was a communist. I am a pinko commie bastard. He believes in socialism. Everybody, that's evil. And you have to understand, we have a lot of American listeners, and just they they always make fun of my pinko ways. They're like, oh, you're. You're some kind of socialist, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, I can't help myself. You know, that's that's how it is in Quebec. Everybody's a fucking socialist over there. I suppose. Well, I mean, I guess the biggest thing for me is growing up in Alberta around the age of 10 and 12, I mentally surpassed. Well, not to brag or anything, but I mentally That is a brag. <laughs> that is a brag. <laughs> I mentally surpassed a lot of my friends and parents, and I just I realized that I'm not like them at all. At all. I don't like organized sports. I don't like... He doesn't like, like Go Team Go. I don't like wearing Wranglers and chewing tobacco and driving a big truck. You know, I, I still feel that to some degree that is the Calgary image. You oh. know, chewing tobacco in your gigantic truck with a jersey of Go Team Go. Oh, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> I haven't... You know, it's funny. While I've been in Calgary here, I've been a bit sheltered from that because uh, Carissa lives in a really, really posh neighborhood. So I'm in the poshiest place in Alberta, so I don't really get to see that. The only thing that I do see is there's a disproportionate amount of trucks for some reason, but I have to assume that's because people like to carry dirt or I don't know what. Uh, <laughs> people in Calgary that live in the city have no reason to buy a truck. I know. I, they don't have anything to haul. Why do they do it? I, it's the same reason why people have SUVs in the city. I think that if you were – think about a car as a gigantic tank, right? Mm -hmm. Now, do you want your tank to be massive – or do you want your tank to be a smart car that if you smash into someone, you're going to be in pieces? I mean, it's not necessarily unwise. It's just that it is. it does appear kind of douchey when you have a truck and you don't really use that truck. But for the most part, I'm like, I view cars as personal tanks. And if you were to have a personal tank and the, 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 the ability to afford uh, gasoline, then maybe you want to have the bigger tank. Just Just a thought. I don't know. I don't like cars. But I do recognize their kind of, you know, appeal, if I can say like that. There's definitely a hillbilly mentality that really... That permeates? Oh. Now, you, you were telling me before that you were having a debate in one of your classes about whether or not 
intelligent design should be taught in schools. What's what exactly? Why why does this debate even exist? Why are you talking about this in school? It seems fucking ridiculous. Well, first off, we need to make the distinction: public schools, public schools, because, well. Well, I guess in private schools, no really debate. They're like, well, they can do whatever the fuck they want, right? Yeah, and they should have the right to teach what they want. I, I like guess. the way you said that. You know, you barely sound uh, convinced. You're like, well, they should have the right. <sighs> well, they're, yeah. yeah, they're still pumping those little kids' heads full of bullshit, but um, they can because their parents say it's okay. It's a different thing to go to a public school and subject a variety of different ethnicities and religious backgrounds to one. I, you know. I I feel kind of conflicted sometimes because I mean I'm I'm a bit of a totalitarian. I really do hate the idea that these private schools can teach absolute nonsense. I mean creationism or intelligent design, however the fuck you want to dress it, 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 it it's it's nonsense. It's not even a, it's not even a science. I mean I, I've mentioned this a few times. The trial in Dover, Pennsylvania, where they, mm -hmm. they in, in 2005, where they talked about whether or not intelligent design was a science, and overwhelmingly everybody recognized that this was just a religious uh, idea masquerading as a science. Everyone knows this, but for some weird reason, because they use the word science in it, kind of like Scientology likes to use that word, everyone's like, well... You know, it kind of makes sense. Life is so complex. Maybe there is an intelligent designer. Blah, 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 blah. And plus, the fucking, the other end of the spectrum is, is as soon as they start teaching it in, in, in private schools, I feel like to some degree it opens up that window so that they start talking about it in public schools, or at least that there's a debate saying, like, well, should we talk about this too? They seem to be talking about it a lot in these schools. It fucking, it irritates me. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering exactly why... Uh, in in the in the debate that you were having, there there must have been some people who were on the yes side, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, what was their strongest argument for yes? Well, they didn't really have a strongest argument, but the one. Well, come thing, on, it has to be at least the one thing they did say is, well, teach the controversy. Little kids are going to be able to distinguish between fact and fiction. Which is a lie because little kids will believe anything. <laughs> they believe in Santa Claus. For yeah, sake. exactly. And they'll believe anything an adult or a person in authority will tell them. And a teacher is a person of authority. Little kids look up to their teachers. Well, I mean, my my whole thing about teach the controversy is teach the controversy to whom exactly? Like, do you teach controversy about gravity? Do you teach controversy about you know the the the, the heliocentric view of of the universe? I, kids, I, I, I mean, obviously I'm preaching to the choir here when I'm talking to people who are listening to the show saying, well, teaching the controversy is ridiculous. But I really don't even understand how someone who does want the, uh, you know, intelligent design taught can really justify to themselves the fact that, well, kids are basically smart and they need to be uh, aware of, of, of the quote-unquote debate and they need to make up their own minds. And you're like, well, then what is the purpose of having a school exactly? Why don't you just send them home with a couple books and say, well, you're basically smart, kid. Come back in a couple years. We'll make you do a few tests and then we'll give you a diploma and you're off because evidently you were so smart that you can discern between bad or between good science like evolution and non-science like intelligent design. This is not a fucking – a controversy. I mean if they really want to be honest about the controversy – uh, exactly what are they going to present first? Are they going to say, well, a couple of uneducated religious scientists 
don't believe in evolution because they find it particularly distressing to their religious beliefs. Is this what the controversy is? Like, how exactly, how does that mesh? How does that make any sense? Um, it it doesn't make sense, but it's, well, I don't know. It's, it's really <laughs> frustrating, and it won't go away, but hopefully in 30 years we can look back on it and, you know, everybody will be like, Foreheads well, I don't. I don't even know how we can just say that. I mean, creationism has been around for fucking ever, a and long time. and I feel like to some degree we we there, there's this hubris of thinking, oh well, we teach evolution, and that that's all we're going to teach. I don't actually remember learning evolution in my school. Really? I mean, there there was there was talk of evolution, but I mean, in in school, do you remember being taught about how the process works? Mm-hmm. You really do. I mean, I'm yeah. telling you, maybe maybe it's just because my memory is absolutely terrible, which it is. But, uh, you know, I, I remember I had some basic questions that were always unanswered. Like, I asked the stupid question when I was a kid, if we descended from apes, why are there still apes? Yeah, everybody remembers that fucking... They always bring that up. And it's such a simple answer. They're just the fact that... Well, the okay. answer is just this. You are an ape. Not only that, but <laughs> we didn't evolve from chimps. We just have a common ancestor like 200,000 years ago. Yeah, exactly. It's but but I, I, there's, I think that the problem was, at least in my school, that there really wasn't a lot of people that were educated. I mean, even the teachers uh, in evolution. And even, even in university levels, my sister, uh, she studied, uh, she's an engineer, and uh, she had to study a lot of science. But she knows almost practically nothing of evolution. Now, it doesn't mean that she's a creationist. She obviously believes that evolution is true. But when we're talking about the details of evolution, you know, sort of how it functions, what it, its implications are, uh, you know, like how, uh, how changes are gradual, how natural selection is the mechanism that evolution works through, all of these things were unfamiliar to her. Because even though you can study science, you can study physics, chemistry, and everything else like that, for the most part... Uh, I think the problem is, and I, I've mentioned this a few times, that evolution is something that's sometimes a little di- bit difficult to test. You know, it's easier if you have a math exam. It's easier if you have, like, a chemistry exam. But it can be difficult to have an evolution exam, because what exactly are you supposed to test for? It, it, it's so remarkably simple that I think that there's, this, this, there's, a, there's a problem with teaching it, because you're like, well, you know, it took a day. We sat down the kids and were like, you evolved from a more, you know, basic life forms through the uh, pressures of natural selection, your environment, so on and so forth, and here you are. Any questions? You will be quizzed tomorrow on this, yeah. on a pamphlet-sized quiz. So regurgitate it. <laughs> um, I think the biggest problem with observing evolution is just kind of the nature of the minuscule, minuscule changes that take place over thousands of years. No human can really observe it. So that's why, I mean, among unicellular organisms, it's a lot easier. So you talk about germ theory, you talk about, you know, um, yeah, well, we, see, we, we see like the AIDS virus or we see staph infections and yeah, building up immunities and... to, to antibiotics. But I mean, it's really hard to convince someone, especially someone that doesn't want to believe really does not want to have their mind changed of, you know, look, this is just how it is. Well, they can deny it all they want. I think it's funny that you, you hear a lot of, uh, of debate within, uh, you know, the, the creationists or intelligent designer or whatever the fuck they want to call themselves, where they make a distinction between micro and macro evolution. They're like, well, 
you know, we can see small changes, but it doesn't necessarily mean that this will lead to a new species and so on and so forth. And it's a lot of just wordplay. I think that a lot of people don't really understand that these types of terms, micro and macro evolution, are just they're they're terms that we use, but they're not they're they're not separate. I mean, micro evolution over a long period of time is it's macro all evolution. evolution. It's just it's the same mechanism. Is this that we view anything like a, a macroscopically as something that you know where where the changes happen and we can see them. You know where uh, a bird has a differently shaped beak or or a wingspan or uh, you know they, they 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 have a different color and and sometimes it's funny too because uh, species speciation isn't something that you can just um, you know tell with your eyeballs you could you could look at two different uh, two birds and they look almost exactly the same but they cannot reproduce and uh, and have fertile offspring and meanwhile you'll see a chihuahua and a great fucking dane and they look like a different species, don't they? You're like, how can this? How can these two breed? Yeah. <laughs> how can a dog come out of the Chihuahua if the Great Dane has sex with it? Is it going to kill it? Well, it might. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think once we start mapping the genotypes of animals more efficiently, then we'll have that concrete evidence that just. Well, but the evidence is here. I mean, I, I know, I know, but you you need to. Didn't we already map the horse, the dog, the mouse? How many more things do we get to map? Well, there's always, they're going to keep coming up with, oh, yeah, well, that's just one species. Maybe that's through uh, domestication. Uh, God. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, God was there to create the dog, don't you know? I'm like, well, thank you, I guess, for the dog. Seems I, like I should be thanking you. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> it's just sad. I've, I've almost got to the point where I just want to give up. I'm, I'm not going to give up, but it's just so damn hard it's just heartening i suppose you you said before when when uh, because you you called me down to the university because you wanted to give uh give me a little interview which will be cool because apparently in a couple of uh i guess in a couple weeks when you guys are finished editing it i might have something that i can throw up on the site so you guys will get to see my worthless opinion on video rather than just on audio so that's something that you uh, you should all look forward to and apparently it's like a super Awesome camera and uh, and and you say your your editor guy is uh, is has the mad skills. Yeah, yeah, he's a film major. And oh that's, man, that's I'm his, excited. It's his bag. Yeah. I hope he can make me look good because uh, you know sometimes I fumble. The worst fumble I made was when I confused Moses with Noah because you know they they're, they're both bearded patriarchs and whatever. Every time I think of Noah, I just see Moses with his you know crazy beard and flowing drapey cloak shit thing that they always wear in those stories. I'm thinking, well, I can't tell the difference to these two motherfuckers. Well, that's exactly it, stories. I mean, you confused one mythological character for another. I feel bad. It's like I, I confused Ar- uh, uh, Achilles with Hercules, you know? It's it's one of those it's one of those mistakes where you feel silly just saying, and you're like, fuck, can you edit that out? Well, hopefully they can. But, I'm sure he will. But you, if, if, they, if they do... You heard it here first. I admitted my mistake. Hey, you're human, too. <laughs> well, you know, it's difficult when you make mistakes and there's so many people that actually listen to it. That can be a little bit uh, hard on your ego. I mm. try to make it, uh, let it not bother me. But once in a while, you always get an email saying, like, uh, dude, your your mistake made me cringe. <laughs> Apparently, some of my most glaring mistakes make people cringe while they're in their cars. I hope they don't, you know, sort of. Fall off the road. (laughs) Because they're like, no, Jacob, no. Why didn't you know? Why did you say this word wrong? Or why did you mispronounce this? Ah, I hate you so much. (laughs) 
Now, before we, uh, the next topic I'd like to cover, actually, is just, I suppose it's kind of a, uh, I want a bit of a more of a personal view of, of what you think um, atheism is headed towards in the future, because you're, you're, how old are you exactly? You're, you're I'm 20 and a half. You're I love it. Whenever you're super young, you always count yeah. the halves. Yeah. And when you get closer to 30, you don't count the halves. You, you, I'm like, I'm still 29 despite the fact that in two days I'm going to be 30. So I'm not 29 and uh, 11 months and uh, 28 days. I'm clinging to that 29. I don't like that 3-0 number. But, um, I mean, obviously, you're, you're, I mean, I hate saying you're the future, but you're, you're, you're part of that sort of um, younger generation that has a lot less religiosity than uh, the preceding generation. I don't know if you remember, I put up a post a couple of uh, days ago that talking about how young people are a lot less religious than their parents. Uh, and it, the, the numbers are significant. So rather than about 15 per, or 10 to 12 percent of people being atheists that are above quarter, 30, isn't it? It, yeah, it's, it's basically up to 25 percent. Well, that's great. And you have to wonder, um, even the people that are religious that are your age, um, do you find that there's there, there's a certain segment of them that are religious, but that um, but that don't really aren't really good Christians or aren't really proselytizers or is it the other way are they more are they proselytizing more when they're young like how would like how would you gauge it i would say it's kind of it's tough to say because i've encountered so much of both extremes you have you know actually it's mostly the catholic ones that really try to force it down your throat well, the catholics or the mormons i guess yeah, but um, and then there's a lot of people that just they just don't think about it like we do. They just go about their life and they keep it in the back of their head. That well, they're not, they're they're kind of like non-theists, right? The people that if you were to ask them, is there God or is none, they would give you some kind of mushmouth answer like, oh, I believe there's a higher power of sorts, and we're part of a. Yeah, it's almost like a new age thing. Yeah, right? it's. You have to wonder how these people are actually going to transmit their religiosity to their kids. So if imagine you have kids in like 10 years uh, and you were sort of like of this non-theistic or really poor theism, you have to wonder are, what are the numbers going to be like in 20 years from now? Like, is it going to be like 50%? Is this, is this a trend or are we going um, to see maybe like a, a kind of like a, a complete reversal where people all of a sudden they freak out maybe because they don't have any religion or, uh, I mean, uh, there, there, are two, there are two periods in, in a person's life when they're most likely to uh, convert to a religion. Early in their, their, their uh, adult life, like usually when they go to college or university and they have higher education, or if they're really old, because, I mean, as we know, death is fucking scary, and yeah. religion offers a bit of a, what's I'm looking for? A lot, well, a lot of comfort regarding your fear of death. Yeah, it's a security blanket. But, I mean, if you if you convert when you're in your 60s, you're not going to be converting a lot of other people because you're old and nobody likes to listen to old people. <laughs> it's the ones that you push it into their little soft heads at five years old, right? Right, exactly. They're exactly. the ones that grow up indoctrinated and do the spreading, but... I, you know, apart from some kind of nuclear holocaust or massive disaster that just turns the world on its ear, I don't think we will see a regression. And um, you, you don't think we're going to go back to, no, to religiosity? You because, think, or you think we're growing out of it? I would. I really hope so. I think. Yeah, but hope 
and what's really happening. These are two different things, my friend. We can hope for things, but I don't think that we should let hope tell us about the world. No, definitely not. But I think all these people that you're talking about, the the just kind of laissez-faire, whatever, I don't really think about existence, but oh yeah, there's probably a God, higher power, whatever. I think they're apathetic among themselves, so I can't see them being all gung-ho about teaching their kids these things. That's 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 my whole um that's what I'm really curious about like the 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 next generation of kids and how they grow up. I'm really really curious about that because there there is a chance that perhaps it's not so much even um you know the indoctrination of parents but it could be just the way that institutions are built like you you mentioned it yourself uh you, you know you were all right with private uh schools teaching, uh, you know, creationism and all this other nonsense. And who knows, maybe in the future there will be lots more private, uh, private schools and old people that are really religious, panicky that the young generation isn't learning, so that, you know, maybe they'll, they'll, try to be, they'll try to push this. I mean, don't you think that maybe that's one of the reasons why all this stuff keeps appearing? We, I didn't have this problem when I was in school. Nobody was talking about putting intelligent design in schools. Nobody was talking about any controversy or any of that bullshit. We were mostly kind of um, totally... Oblivious ob- to the whole Yeah, thing. exactly, oblivious to it. But maybe, I, I think it is a reactionary thing from that generation. They're... they're as far as they see it, I think the, the stakes are so high that maybe they are willing to do some really crazy shit to try to save their religion from falling into obscurity. So maybe what our job is is to kind of make people aware of that or, or you know, like hopefully by then we'll, um, we'll all be a little bit wiser. But why should we? Are, are, are we wiser now than we were before? Yeah, well, I, we definitely know more. About the world, yeah, um, but I, I agree with what Christopher Hitchens says. We know more. Uh, we know um, more. Uh, we know less and less about more and more. Yeah, and uh, maybe the same could be said for for, for religion. Maybe because every time you learn something new, it just opens up all new questions. All new questions. But the thing is, old fucks vote. They really do In vote. Don't they? they? They have nothing to do. They wake up. They watch tv they wake up at like four o'clock in the morning eat some marmalade um watch the price is right and then they <laughs> do people still watch prices right i don't know drew carey killed that shit um i think it's sad though i mean you have to wonder what's going to happen if we really let um you know the older generation keep deciding things for us because I really feel that that's what's happening. You know, as that's exactly the what's happening. as the average age keeps going up, as they're just as they're just better at keeping old people alive. I feel to some degree like there isn't a bit the the, the switch isn't being turned on. Like younger people are not making decisions, and I think that we've divorced ourselves from making these decisions. We don't vote. We don't uh, we don't participate in politics, or if we do, it's a very small segment of of the youth population, and and I don't know what to do about that, because at the same time, you could say, oh, we all need to unite and go vote, but the honest truth is that, no, it's not happening. I mean, it, you, you talk about uh, hurting cats with atheism. It's even worse when it comes to voting. Oh, definitely. And, I mean, I have to think that to some degree, it might have something to do with the fact that maybe, just maybe, uh, young people really aren't interested in inheriting the system of their parents or grandparents. They definitely are. I think there's so much corruption and there's it's the bureaucratic massive military industrial complex that just 
it's rooted itself so deep into everything that there's no way to change it until we just wait for this generation of old white guys to die and then just <laughs> they will never die don't you see i mean what what happens tomorrow if all of a sudden we discover well, stem perhaps, cell research or uh, t cell therapy yeah or, or 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 effectively almost a cure for aging where now a generation won't pass uh, pass on and and the values remain almost constant i mean that I think that to some degree that's my greatest fear and also simultaneously my greatest hope. <laughs> yeah, well... Because well, I don't want to die. Me neither, but we're going to have to euthanize some old folks if we ever want to change. <laughs> you heard it from here, here again. Brock Roberts, communist, old people euthanizer. Well, you know what? Here's the thing, though. I mean, even though you develop, say, ostensibly a cure for old age, it doesn't mean that people don't die. I mean, you'll die in a car accident. You'll die in, you know, falling off a building or falling down the stairs. I mean... People will die. Eventually, over time, everybody dies, unless you're in some kind of, like, I don't know, invincible robot body, which I do plan on getting. Oh, <laughs> you bet. But, I mean, again, the, the question is, I mean, I, I, I don't know if there's an answer for this, but the question is, how do we galvanize young people? How do we get them to make the changes that are necessary? Why is it so hard? I mean, you, you, you said it yourself. Even in your school, there's they're, they're, they have, like, um, student council fucking, you know, uh, elections, and, and and what percentage of people do you think care about that shit? Or how many of people are jaded regarding, um, you know, the effectiveness of, of, of that system? Well, the problem is they've they've created a system where it's totally bureaucratic. Everybody that does get a job is a figurehead. Tons of people run. Because you get paid like thirty grand for a school year, and That's you have no power to do nothing. Grand. Thirty thousand dollars. I wish I was making that much money. And here's the thing: it's it's not. Oh yeah, thirty grand from the Alberta government. It's thirty grand coming from us. From your student tuitions. Yeah. <laughs> and and how much is your how much is your tuition per year? Oh man, it keeps going up. Well, what is it right now? Like how right much does it now, cost per uh, say per year, or just a rough estimate. It doesn't have to be exact. Like. Seven grand? Seven thousand dollars per year? You know what? It's funny, eh? Lots of people that are listening to the States would be like, that's so inexpensive. <laughs> you have to understand, some of these people pay like $20,000 a year, $30,000 a year for school. So seven grand to them may not seem like a lot. No, but why can they just arbitrarily up the price without also upping the quality of instruction and the facility? Well, I suppose when you have a whole bunch of administrators that are being paid $30,000 a year, well... Those are just student administrators. Our president, Harvey Weingarten, gave himself a $5 million um, severance package, like retirement. That deal. is a hell of a retirement. This is this is a dean of some kind? Yeah, the president wow. of the university. $5 million? $5 million bucks. For doing what exactly? Uh, running the university into the ground. I think that, uh, wow, I, I guess he is kind of a neocon. That's exactly their... It's Goldman Sachs. <laughs> That's their M.O., saying, well, I'm going to run this company or organization to the ground, and as a consequence, I'm going to give myself a raise because I did such a good job at destroying this institution. Oh, man. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think to some degree in the future, I mean, I don't know when, but... There, there is everything is is going to basically come to a head because the baby boomer generation is getting older, and you know the the, the amount of money available keeps dwindling because we're we're at a very unique time in human history where there are going to be far more old people than there are young people, and you have to kind of wonder what that's going to mean for us because 
Think, think about the revolution in, in Iran, where there are, absolute, there are more young people than old people, but the old generation is essentially dictating everything for them. Right. So they kind of have, the, the, the population-wise, the opposite problem, but still it's the same phenomenon where we're not able to t- kind of take control of what's going on. We have zero say. And for the most part, I think that everybody is just so jaded into thinking, well, nothing I do or nothing I say can make a difference, so why the fuck should I bother? And I think that, you know what, maybe for us, the real solution is to kind of take more of a grassroots level. I mean, I know that lots of young people, they love to protest and shit like that. And you know what, you can protest to your heart's content, but at the end of the day, honestly, I don't think that that makes much of a fucking difference. Protests are easy to ignore. I think for us, you know, in terms of grassroots, the thing that we have to do is get more involved into trying to to organize and and create policy. Maybe that policy doesn't get adopted now, but I think that we need to be the ones that start mapping out our future tomorrow. I don't know why we're not doing it. Maybe we're sitting on our fucking asses always on Twitter and maybe even on thegoodatheist.net listening to the shit and not getting fucking involved. But it scares me. It really scares me because I do not trust the older generation. They keep on trying to fucking shove religion down our throat and... You know, creationism down our throat, all this other fucking bullshit. They don't want to make any changes to our environmental policy. They don't want to stop our use of, uh, you know, of gasoline and all these other uh, hydrocarbons. And it's and, and we have we, we don't get a say into what the future is going to be like. And I think that that is a gigantic mistake that we're going to severely regret, severely regret. I think the biggest problem is just that they their generation has so much invested in the way things are and they're getting their pockets lined by these petroleum companies and stuff like that that they don't have incentive to change also when something like 50 percent of the american population honestly believes there's end days is going to happen and jesus is going to return and call everybody up to heaven why, may, yeah. you have no incentive no it makes you it makes you wonder the world with respect it makes you wonder exactly what your foreign or environmental policy is going to be when this when the answer is Jesus is coming any day now. Oh my god. It's almost like waiting for Godot. He's not showing up everybody. I mean it's been 2000 years. The guy is a no-show, a fucking no-show. Give it up, man. Give it up. There's only going to be one person that's going to make that difference. It's going to be you, bitch. Going to be you. All right, you know what? Let's wrap it up. I'd like to thank my guest, Brock Roberts, for coming on. Thank you. And uh, we're going to catch everybody next week for the regular show. I'd like to remind all of you that if you enjoy what we do, that uh, you consider becoming a patron. It costs $20 a year, and you get access to all the backlog of bonus shows. There are 43 bonus shows now that it you is, can go listen to. It is well worth it. I think that's, a, that's pretty cheap. And uh, also, I'd like to remind everybody that this uh, Sunday, February 28th, Uh, I'm having a birthday party at the Soda here in Calgary, Alberta. So if you are in town, please come and say hi. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have a big party. There's going to be like video games and there's going to be, you can also come dressed as a, as a superhero if you want. You don't have to, but you can. If you have any questions about it, you can email me, jacobforte at gmail.com. And I really hope to see you guys there because I love uh, hooking up with the fans of the site. You guys are awesome. All right, with that, my name is Jacob Fortan. And I'm Brock Roberts. Have a good atheist day, everybody. Uh,